Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. Do end-of-semester papers, finals, and upcoming audition recording deadlines have you feeling a little stressed? Or perhaps you're feeling a little burned out with a jam-packed schedule of gigs, students, and nutcrackers? The holiday can be a festive time, but it's also the time of year when it's easy to get a little frazzled and mentally and emotionally exhausted, where you may feel drained, maybe a little cranky, and have difficulty focusing, and perhaps even feel a sense of detachment and loss of enthusiasm for all the important stuff on your plate. So how do we get through times like this? Is there anything we can do to boost our resilience and make sure we don't end up stuck to the couch Rewatching reruns of The Office while eating leftover Halloween candy and procrastinating on all the projects on our to-do list? J. Brian Sexton is an associate professor at Duke University School of Medicine and has a particular interest in resilience and burnout. And what is burnout exactly? Well, the gist, as Sexton explains, is that, quote, burnout at its core is the impaired ability to experience positive emotion. Basically, The idea is that it's so easy to get fixated on the difficult, frustrating, unpleasant, and stressful parts of each day that we start losing the ability to notice the good parts, those moments when we could potentially experience a little bit of joy, gratitude, serenity, interest, hope, pride, amusement, inspiration, awe, or love. And no, that's not just a random list of positive words that I got from my thesaurus, but 10 specific emotions that are associated with insulating us from burnout. And sure, maybe the idea of smelling the roses and experiencing more joy and awe in our daily lives sounds a little cheesy, but I think we can all acknowledge that those are the sorts of moments that lift us up and keep us going when times are tough. So, does doing this actually make a meaningful difference? To see if positivity training in burned-out or burnout-prone individuals could increase resilience— Sexton recruited 228 healthcare workers ranging from physicians and nurses to hospital aides, physical therapists, pharmacists, administrators, and students to complete a simple exercise every day for two weeks. It's an exercise known as the Three Good Things exercise, and in this version, participants were asked to 1. Write down three things that went well that day, 2. Describe their role in making that positive experience, event, or result happen. 
And three, select a positive emotion from that list of 10 words that best described how they felt about their good thing. Everyone started off by taking several assessments designed to measure burnout, emotional exhaustion in particular, as well as depression, happiness, and work-life balance. Then, every evening, for two weeks, participants were reminded to complete the three good things exercise. A month after completing the two-week exercise, participants were asked to retake the burnout, depression, happiness, and work-life balance assessments. And then they were asked to retake the assessments again another 6 and 12 months after that. And did the three good things exercise help at all? The short answer is yes. When assessed one month after completing the exercise, participants exhibited significant improvements in their mental and emotional health. They reported fewer symptoms of emotional exhaustion and depression, and also reported increased happiness and better work-life balance as well. This would mean fewer incidences of skipping meals, or coming home late from work, or sleeping less than five hours, etc. Which is all very cool, but would these benefits last, or were they just temporary? Well, when participants completed these assessments again six months later, the positive changes were still there. And when assessed again in 12 months, participants still exhibited these positive changes in emotional exhaustion, depression, and happiness. The only thing that had begun to revert back to baseline was work-life balance. But for a simple, quick, easy, and free two-week exercise, it's pretty impressive how long-lasting these effects were. So how might we be able to apply this to our lives? Well, a couple caveats first. One, it's important to note that this was a pilot study and there was no control group, so we can't rule out the possibility that there may have been some other reason for the participants' improvement other than the three good things exercise. That said, there are other studies of the three good things exercise that have found positive effects on mood and burnout, so I think we're probably okay here. It's also worth noting, though, that a number of folks dropped out along the way and didn't complete the 6 or 12 month follow up assessments. So it is possible that the participants who completed the follow-ups benefited more from the exercise than those who didn't complete the follow-up assessments. Nevertheless, it seems that the three good things exercise would be a useful one to experiment with to see if it might change for the better your experience of potentially stressful times ahead. And what might that look like? So these good things could really be anything. A practice session that felt productive, a peaceful early morning walk with your dog, or a nice lunch with friends where you shared a lot of laughs. The idea is to write down something that represents joy, gratitude, serenity, interest, hope, pride, amusement, inspiration, awe, or love, and reflect on why this happened in a way that helps to reinforce that you did something to make this happen, and that you have the ability to create moments of positivity in your everyday life, no matter how crazy a day it ends up being. Here's how you might approach this. Step one, find a pen and some paper and leave them on your desk or nightstand. Number two, set a recurring alarm or reminder to go off sometime in the evening before bedtime. Number three, starting on Monday, and the reason for this is that the researchers found that those who started on Monday stuck with it better than those who started on a different day. For the next 15 days, before you go to bed, when your alarm goes off, take a few moments to write down three things that went well that day, your role in bringing them about, and which of those 10 positive emotions best fit how that made you feel. Again, those 10 emotions are joy, gratitude, serenity, interest, hope, pride, amusement, inspiration, awe, and love. 
So it might look sort of like this. So for me, good thing number one might be something like, we had a relaxed family breakfast all together this morning. My role in this might have been that I helped make this happen by looking up a new recipe for croissant ham egg cheese muffins, got the ingredients from the store, and asked the kids to help with the cooking. And the positive emotion might have been something like serenity. So why 15 days? Would it be okay to just do it for seven days? Well, the original version of the three good things exercise calls for a week, and a week has been found to lead to meaningful improvements. But Sexton found that 15 days led to even better results. So if you aim for 15 days, even if you don't get to this every single day, you'll probably experience more of a benefit. You can find links to this week's study and other related practice hacks at bulletproofmusician.com blog. If you found this episode helpful, please do share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think would also enjoy experimenting with it during the coming week. And if you'd like to explore this sort of thing in more depth, whether it be to get more out of your daily practice or to get better at managing performance pressure and shrinking that gap between what you can do in the practice room and what comes out on stage, you can learn more about the live and self-paced courses that are available at bulletproofmusician.com courses.